Let's go ahead and open up our Bibles today. We're going to begin in Ephesians, but then we'll be moving on. We started a series last week entitled The Salvation God Provides, and we talked about how to be saved. A lot of the time was spent on how to be saved, true salvation, eternal security, so on and so forth. We are going to look more in detail, though, today on starting to break down this issue of salvation. Let me begin by saying this today, that there is no more important truth in Scripture for us to understand than the issue of salvation, the issue of salvation. Last week, we spent most of our time talking about how to be saved We expand on that today for the next three weeks, okay? Now, what do we mean by salvation? What do we mean by the word salvation? It means to be saved in light of Scripture. It means to be saved from the penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and one day from the very presence of sin. That is a promise from God. It is through trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone as Savior that we are saved. That's where it all begins. We are saved by the grace of God through faith alone in Jesus Christ. This is where you get introduced to salvation. This is where a person is born again. This is where a person becomes a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian. And of course, that's really the only kind of true Christian. Now here in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, our foundation, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You're not saved of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You notice we're saved by grace through faith. We'll define these things as we go through. But one thing I want you to understand today is this. You can't do anything to save yourself. That's why Jesus came. The scriptures say we're not saved of ourselves. It tells us that salvation is a gift. Gifts are free. It tells us it's not of works. That reiterates what it says in verse 8. Not of yourselves means not of works. It's defined in verse 9. Lest any man should boast. There are, if you will, three vital aspects of salvation that we must understand. Now, don't be intimidated by these words. The first one is justification. That's what we're going to be talking about today. The second one is sanctification next week. And the third one is glorification, the week after that. Or maybe we will experience glorification before we ever get there, which as far as I'm concerned would be great. That means heaven. If we do not understand these issues, we will have a skewed view of salvation and the Christian life and can lead to disastrous results in life, and also in eternity. If you don't understand how to be justified, how to be saved, friend, if you die without Christ as your Savior, you'll be lost forever and you will suffer forever. And we don't want that for anybody, and neither does the Lord. Now let's move on. The first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to look at the meaning of justification. Today, the focus is justification. So let's define some terms. The meaning of justification. This is what we would call the past tense of salvation. It is related to being saved from the penalty, from the penalty of sin. Our sin brings with it a penalty. Do we understand that? God is a holy God. What God has said in his word, he means it. 
He doesn't have unreasonable cautions in scripture or make-believe things to keep us in line with no truth behind them. What God says is true. And so we need to understand this. This is the past tense of salvation. Being saved from the penalty of sin. The moment a person believes in Jesus Christ as Savior, he has been saved, has been saved, or delivered from the penalty of sin. In other words, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you no longer have to pay for your sin. Because the payment Jesus made has been credited to you. Now, you've been in Ephesians. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to spend a lot of time in Romans today. And in verse 23, Romans 6, 23, it says this, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There it is again, salvation being a gift a gift. Gifts are free. You don't do anything for a gift. You merely receive the gift. If you have to do something to get a gift, it's no longer a gift. You're buying it. If you have to promise to behave in a certain way to keep the gift, it's not a gift either. Because if you have to give it back, it was never a gift to begin with. The fact if you have to do something to keep it, you're paying for it. You're having to do something in payment for that. That's not salvation. But justification, we see the term justification in just a minute. Justification, here's the key. Justification is not the act of getting saved. It is not the act of getting saved, but it is the declaration that you are now righteous in the eyes of God. One theologian said this, he says, to justify, and I quote, to justify is to declare righteous. It is a judicial term indicating that a verdict of acquittal has been announced, excluding all possibility of condemnation. Indeed, in scripture, justification is invariably set over against condemnation. The claims of God's law against the sinner have been fully satisfied. Justification is not because of, now listen carefully to this, justification is not because of any overlooking, suspending, or altering of God's righteous demands, but because in Christ all of his demands have been fulfilled. Christ's perfect life of obedience to the law and his atoning death that paid its penalty are the basis for our justification. Now, I want you to see this. So go with me over to Romans chapter 3, and we'll start looking at this in Romans 3 in particular as we go through. So we've seen the, the meaning of justification. It means to declare righteous. It is a judicial declaration. There's a point that comes in your life, and by the way, it is when you put your faith in Jesus Christ that it's like we are in the courtroom of God, and when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, things take place, and he says, I declare you as righteous. I declare you as righteous. So we see the meaning of justification, but secondly, what is the means of justification? The means of justification is God himself. He is the means of justification. God himself. Now, there are several things I want to touch on under this, okay? The first is this. We are justified freely by God. 
God is the source of salvation. Look at Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified freely. Do you see the word freely, friends? Now, this is important because there are lots of people today, very popular people in evangelicalism, who are saying, if you're going to be saved, you have to be willing to pay the price. You have to be willing to live the life. You have to be a Christ follower in your life. And many of them will actually say, believing in Christ is not enough. There also has to be a commitment to live your life for Jesus Christ. My question is this, what if there isn't a commitment? They would say, well, then it's not salvation. But that goes against the very nature of the word freely. Because freely in any dictionary means without cost. And so salvation, according to God, is without cost to us. Now, does that mean that somebody didn't have to pay for it? Yes, somebody did have to pay for it, as we are going to see. It was none other than the Son of God sacrificed in my place and yours. So this is not some cheap thing. This is the most serious truth in all of creation. The means of justification, God himself, we are justified freely by God. He is the source. Secondly, we are justified by God's grace. Do you see that in verse 24? Being justified freely, being declared righteous, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Another Bible teacher, J. Dwight Pentecost, he said this, and I quote, grace is God's unmerited favor bestowed upon sinners by which God sets aside what they deserve in order to confer upon them that which they never could deserve. That's the truth. What do we deserve? Hell. What don't we deserve? Heaven. Do you get it? God says, I will, I am, you're justified by my grace. Now people say, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me that a person can believe in Christ and then go out and sin and still go to heaven? Well, can I tell you this? Anybody who says that still does. We all still sin after we put our faith in Christ. All of us do. See, folks, salvation is not how many sins you do either before or after you believe. Salvation is what Christ has done for us. It's all about what Christ has done for us. It's not about what we do. Christianity says it is done. Religion says you must do. That's the difference between heaven and hell, literally. And it is a big deal. Third thing under this is this. We are justified by means of the blood of Jesus Christ. It is through the sacrificial payment Jesus made on the cross. God's justice had to be satisfied. Get this. His justice had to be satisfied. Our sin, my sin, had to be paid for. I have to have a payment for my sin. God just doesn't wink and let me into heaven. It doesn't work that way. His justice had to be satisfied. I am guilty before God. The wages of my sin is death. I deserve to go to hell. But Jesus came and did for me what I could not do for myself. He paid for all my sin, so I don't have to pay for it. It has to be paid for. Your sin has to be paid for. 
but Jesus did it for you. And so I don't deserve that. Yes, that's grace. You're correct. That's grace. It's mercy. Mercy, not getting what you do deserve. Grace, getting you something wonderful that you don't deserve. And it's all what God has done. Remember, the means of justification, God himself. We are justified freely by God. We are justified by God's grace. And we are justified by means of the blood of Christ. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness, no remission of sin. Hebrews 9, verse 22. Now you're in Romans 3. Let's continue. Verse 25. Whom God hath set forth, referring to Jesus, to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Now, let's define terms. Propitiation, a satisfactory payment. Through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission, the forgiveness of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which does what? Believes in Jesus. Believes in Jesus. You notice there in verse 25, it says through faith. In verse 26, it says believe. Faith is the noun form of the verb believe. Same root. Salvation for us is all wrapped up in us believing or putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Let's move on. We are justified through faith in Christ, and it is only through faith. Let's continue reading here in Romans 3, verse 27. It says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of, there's our word again, faith. Verse 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified, remember, declared righteous by God, the judge, Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, look at this, without the deeds of the law. Do you see that? Some Bible translations will say apart from. It's the same idea that it's not faith and works coupled together. It is faith apart from. Do you see it? It is faith without works. That's salvation. Now, I hate to say it today, but that's an alarming statement in a lot of places. Immediately, the accusations start up. Well, you're preaching a license to sin. You're doing this. You're doing that. I've never preached license to sin. As a matter of fact, come back next week. Because you'll see very clearly, God has a life for us to live as believers. But folks, that doesn't get you to heaven. That doesn't get you justification. This is so important that we understand. Let's move on into chapter 4 of Romans. Look at this. What shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, look at this, but not before God. See, we look, people look, religious people, they look around and say, oh, that person's a, belie- that person's a Christian. Why? Well, look at the way they live. Well, that person's a Christian. Well, look at the way. Well, wait a minute. That person can't be saved because look at what they're doing. Now, listen, Christians should live a godly life, but that doesn't save you. And it doesn't prove anything because there are ungodly people living lives of good works, right? Do you know some? I know some. But God's saying this, those good works will not save you. They will not 
justify you. Verse 2, for if Abraham were justified by works, he has where of the glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham, there's our word again, believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. How did Abraham get righteousness? He believed. He didn't believe and work. In God's eyes, that will not save. He believed. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh, now here's one who says, no, no, I insist. You have to do things. You have to have good works. Now to him that worketh is a reward or a wage, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Here's what it's saying. If you say you must also work, then you are now indebted, and according to the principles of God's word, you are indebted to live a perfect life because God requires perfection to get into heaven. You got that in your pocket? I don't think so. No one can get to heaven by their works. That's why it has to be by grace. Romans eleven six. if by grace, then is it no longer works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. If it be of works, then is it no longer grace, otherwise work is no longer work. It's not a mixing of the two, yet that's what you have today in what's called lordship salvation or discipleship salvation. They're mixing faith and work, saying this is what you have to do, otherwise you're not saved. That's not what the Bible says. Now to him that worketh is a reward or wage, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but instead believeth, there it is again, on him, Christ, that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. How clear can it be? Person doesn't do anything, but instead they put their faith, they realize they can't do anything. Instead, they put their faith in Jesus Christ alone as Savior. God says, I see your faith. I justify you. I give you my righteousness. That sounds too good to be true. But this time, folks, it is true. Because God's the one who says it, and he can't lie. He can't lie. It isn't that he doesn't choose to lie. He can't lie. And so it's a gift, it's free, and it's simply by faith. And yes, God's grace is big enough to save somebody on that basis and that basis alone. It's the way it has to be. See, when you trust in Jesus Christ to save you, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are sent away. They are dismissed. The guilty charges are gone. God gives you his very own righteousness. The Bible says you are in Christ. He's called in Ephesians 1, the beloved one. You are in him and you are accepted in the beloved or the beloved one. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Look up here. We're going to let this represent me only in my dreams. We're going to let my Bible represent Jesus Christ. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are put into the body of Christ and you are accepted in Christ. When God looks at me, he doesn't look at my behavior, my character, my righteousness, quote unquote, because that's filthy rags. No, I'm in Christ. When God looks at me, he looks at the righteousness of Christ. This is sufficient. And this is what God gives you the moment you trust in Jesus Christ as your savior. Look at that. I love that verse five, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him, Christ that justifies the ungodly. His faith is counted 
for righteousness. Let's move on. Number three, what about the duration of justification? I kind of get excited about this one. The duration of justification, I'm going to give you one word, forever. Did you get that? This points to, and by the way, it proves the precious truth of eternal security. God gives us everlasting life the moment we trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. God declares us as righteous in his eyes. And that justification, that declaration of righteousness, has no taking back to it. You won't find that in Scripture. Once God gives it, it is ours. Okay, the court case is over. I wish I had a gavel up here. Case dismissed, can never be tried again. I'd say, are, are you serious about this? I'm, this is what the Bible teaches, friend. This is wonderful. This is why once you are justified, you can't ever be lost again, and that is eternal security. Once saved, always saved. Yes, that's what the Bible teaches. Let me tell you something. If you claim to be saved and you think you can lose your salvation, if that's what you've always believed, you don't have salvation. You're not saved yet because you're still holding on to your good works. God says, no, it's not by works, but to him that worketh not. It's apart from works. It's faith in Christ apart from works. Romans 3.28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without works. Look with me to Acts chapter 13. I know I told this story a while back, but it's worth repeating for those of you who didn't hear it. When I first got saved, um, well, I kind of drifted around for a year, and then I responded to the working of God's Holy Spirit in my life. I ended up going to Bible college, and while I was in Bible college, I had the great privilege of being a youth worker. We called our youth ministries out of Florida Bible College, we called them youth ranches. There was no horses, cows, and stuff. That's just what they called it. And so I had the great privilege of doing youth ministry, and I, my youth, uh, my group were junior high kids. I still have such a a heart for junior high kids. And I can remember once we had a young man, he came out, we were picking kids up. Back then you can pick them up in the neighborhood. People you didn't even know. Oh, Jimmy Smith wants to go to ranch. Great. Where does he live? Tell him we'll be by at a certain time. You go by. Back then you didn't even have to meet the parents. You'd come by, he'd hop in the van and you'd take him. And then after the meeting, you'd take him home. Everything was good. Remember when we trusted each other? You could do that. Now, the van that I had, it was a 1967 Chevy van, had two seats in it. I shouldn't tell you this, but (laughs) I'm not a citizen of Florida anymore. But anyways, the the back of that van had two seats, driver's seat, passenger seat. The rest of it was open. It was like a bread box on wheels. And we would just load the kids in there. We'd just load them in. They crawl in and they find a seat wherever they could. And there were no seat belts back there. I mean, I think of that now, it's like, <laughs> God looked past our ignorance and granted us mercy, right? But I, we would just load them in. And so here we are, we're going out, vans like this, going out to the meeting. But this boy, he, he came out, he trusted Christ as Savior, little guy, he was probably 11 years old. Went home that night, told his mom and dad about what happened to him. And so uh, the next week, we, they let him come back the next week. And, and he, he got in and he says, I got a question for you. He says, I was telling my, my parents about this. And, 
And they said, well, there is something that could send you to hell. And I, and, uh, I said, well, what did they say? What do they think sent them to hell? They said, suicide. If a person commits suicide, they'll go to hell, even if they believed. So what about that? I said, no. No, I said, suicide is an awful thing, and yes, suicide is murder, and yes, suicide is a sin. But I said, let me, let me show you something in the Bible. So when we got to the meeting, I opened up my Bible, and here in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39, I want you to see it, folks. See, because that is, that is a breakdown in the understanding of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus either paid for all of our sin, or he didn't. All of it, or he didn't. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness, the sending away, the dismissal, the release of sins. And by him, all that, there's our word again, all that believe are justified, declared righteous from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses, keeping the commandments. All that believe are justified from all things. I said to him, we'll call him Jimmy. I said, Jimmy, what does all things mean? He says, that means everything. Would that include suicide as bad as it is? Yes. So then is there anything you can do to lose your salvation once you have it? No, there's nothing I can do. He got it. He got it. Do you get it? today? I hope you do. You might say, well, this is, this is, this kind of scares me. What are you afraid of? This is what God says. Should we be afraid of what God says? See, we who are believers are justified from all things. This would include anything we can do before or after we believe. It is all based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. Yes, our sins have to be paid for. Yes, our sins are wicked. Yes, our sins are bad. Yes, our sins cause all kinds of problems. And that's why Jesus came, was to pay for our sins. See, it isn't the greatness of our sin that is the issue. It is the greatness of the payment for our sin that Jesus made on the cross. When we simply believe the payment is good on our behalf and we are at that moment declared by God himself that we are righteous in his eyes. This is what God has done. Now, is justification the end? No, it's not the end. In the Christian life, it's only the beginning of our great salvation. If Jesus paid for all of our sins and his payment is put to our account, leaving us no sin to pay for, this is a glorious thing. I think of a man who has been in jail and he serves his time and he's let go and the gates open and he walks out of the gate into the world. He walks through the gates And as he walks through the gates, what's in front of him? He has a new life to live. When we get saved, we walk through the gates of hell, out never to be returned. Again, you can't. And God has before us a new life, a new life. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. It says in Romans 8, 29, For whom he did foreknow, God knew who would believe. God knew who would believe. I'd say, well, I, I get kind of tripped up on that word foreknowledge. No need to. Look at the word. It's a compound word. For, F-O-R-E. What does that mean? It means duck or you're going to get hit in the head with a golf ball. 
Just kidding. For means before. Knowledge means to know. To know something beforehand. That's all foreknowledge means. Doesn't mean anything more than that. Doesn't mean anything more. For whom he did foreknow, God knew who would believe. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. God says, I know who's going to believe. And those who believe, I'm going to predestined to be conformed to the image of my son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren, and we would end up like him, verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, declared as righteous, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, let me ask you, how many of you have put your faith in Christ? Okay, you can put your hands down. He has predestinated you to be conformed to the image of the Son. He called you to that, not only that, but he has declared you as righteous. He's justified you. And he's not only justified you according to this Bible, according to these verses, he has also already glorified you. Now that's a mind blower because we haven't experienced glorification yet. But in the eyes of God who sees eternity, the beginning from the end... When you got saved, you were glorified. You just haven't experienced it yet. Is that exciting or what? Now, listen, if I'm already glorified, then how can I lose my salvation? In God's eyes, I'm already there. Anybody who teaches you can lose your salvation does not understand biblical salvation. They don't get it. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Read on. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I love this next section in light of the message today. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Can't you see the devil just running up to the throne of God? Hey, did you see your kid down there? Did you see what he just did? He's saying that to the judge who has already declared that kid righteous. God says, of course I saw it. Too late, buddy. He's already declared righteous. His trial has been dismissed. He's one of mine. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. He's the boss. He's the one who has the final say. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We are in Christ. Our salvation, folks, is complete. We have been declared righteous by the judge of heaven. There is no condemnation to those in Christ. And so he says, verse 38, for I am persuaded... That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, and that includes you, and that includes me, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I stand justified in the eyes of God by nothing in me and all of what he has done for me. This is a glorious biblical truth, which leads us to our last point today, and it is this, the practical result of justification. You ready for this? Go with me to Romans chapter 5. I am so glad the word grace has five letters in it. By the way, the number five in the Bible is the number of grace. Did you know that? Do you find it interesting that, that David killed Goliath with, he had five stones, right? He had five stones to deal with. He defeated him by the grace of God. The other word here, the practical result of justification, it's not grace. That's how we're saved. The result is this. It's another five-letter word. It is peace. This is beautiful. Romans 5.1, therefore being justified, declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this, friend? When you trust Christ the Savior, you now are a child of God, completely forgiven of all sin, past, present, and future. You have a home in heaven. In God's eyes, you've already been glorified. You're a child of the King. You are accepted in the Beloved One. And you know what that ought to do? That ought to bring peace to your life. The fact that you can never be lost again, whatever happens, whether you succeed or fail, you can have peace with God because it's all been taken care of through the blood of Christ. What a salvation we have. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ alone as your Savior, would you do it today between you and God? Do you understand how much God loves you that he would provide this for you and for me? And it's all a free gift because Jesus paid the price for us. The greatest present that the world has ever known. Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.